0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lost Generation, outside of the mainstream. My name is William Hooker. I am a musician, poet, and part of this generation of artists. My goal with this podcast, which is being broadcast on its own YouTube channel and my website, WilliamHooker.com, is to introduce you to many of the musical artists that are outside of the mainstream and have made important artistic contributions to our culture. I have also interviewed producers of the music and many fans and supporters of this work. My guests are sharing what makes this art form unique and significant. I hope these conversations will inspire you to listen to the music, which may change you, and the way you view music, which again is outside of the mainstream. With our December 2019 interview of Nora McCarthy, we celebrate our first year of on-air podcasts. This is the lost generation outside of the mainstream. This is a story that needs to be told. Today I am interviewing vocalist, band leader, composer, Nora McCarthy um laura would you tell us something about yourself in a brief capsule
1: you left out poet (laughs) all right then that's fine too
0: (laughs) that's fine too nora (laughs) tell us a lot tell us about yourself
1: oh okay in a a capsule in a capsule yes i'm um i'm just a creative girl (laughs) creative woman i uh, come from cleveland ohio I come from a family of, um, you know, there's five of us, one brother, four sisters, growing up in a sort of like a blue-collar type of um, style, if you will, um, and I, I'm i a mother, I've been married, I have five sons, those were my first works of art. I've been singing all my life, I studied uh, music since the age of seven, always wanted to do the singing. Jazz, of course, was the first influence I ever had through my older siblings, who used to babysit me. And so I got the music that way. My father also, and my mother, um, musicians, but also had regular jobs, you know. Yes. Uh, that wasn't their their vocation in life. My father did work for Universal Pictures uh, before I was born, because <clears throat> all of our cousins were set directors out there. Mm-hmm universal and uh but then when it was time to have me they moved back to Cleveland Ohio so I I missed out on the Hollywood thing but um maybe that went, might have been a calling from another you know lifetime or something absolutely but um yeah so my father passed when I was 11 and uh changed the course of my life I uh used to sing a lot during my high school years right in little bands and stuff and I listened to music um, Always uh, R and B, soul, gospel. That was my main influences in jazz. And then I got uh, I got married. I met somebody and I at a very young age. And I got married at the age of uh, nineteen, mm-hmm. and started having my family. And then, as fate would have it, by the time I was twenty eight years old, I was also I should uh, uh, go backwards a little bit. Uh, the man I married, his father was Hawaiian. They well they were Hawaiian. And he uh, was a musician as well. Right. And he played, uh, like, well, piano, ukulele, the, uh, the drums, all kinds of drums. And he used to do all the uh, original folkloric Hawaiian music, but also jazzed versions, jazzed up versions of that. Okay. And other popular music at the time. Okay. So he heard me singing one night when I was upstairs changing our, my son's diaper, and he says, you know, you can sing. Why don't you come downstairs and see if you you know can we can do some stuff? And I took him up on that, and I used to work with him, and uh, I would take down the lyrics of the old folkloric Hawaiian music phonetically. You know, I would pick up the needle, put it down, pick up the needle. Not a very easy thing to do, but I learned that music, and it was great. So, like around uh, 26, I I ended up getting divorced from that husband, and I went into uh, I met someone in the jazz world who was a drummer. Uh, I should mention his name. He'd be happy if I did, Rongo Dale, a wonderful drummer. And uh, he brought me into, into the jazz world, and uh, I never looked back. That was it. I, you know, I, I met everybody I needed to know in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I started uh, running my own bands, mm-hmm. and uh, I was quite prominent there. I did a lot of work and worked for a long time until I came to New York City, and the reason why I came to New York City was because I continued to grow as a musician. Mm -hmm. Well, I also married again and then had some more children. (laughs) When did you
0: come back to New York City? When did you come into New York City?
1: I came into the, well, the first time I came in, actually 1978, just for a visit. We came to pick up a, a saxophonist by the name of Ernie Krivda, and I had never been here before, and I was just taken with the place, and I remember when we were leaving after we got him and brought him back to Cleveland, I looked at the bridge as I was crossing it going, I'll be back.
0: I right. didn't realize
1: it would take so long, right. but I eventually did get back here. And then I came in uh, early 90s because a friend of mine who uh, also was from Cleveland, of course, that's why she was my friend, mm-hmm. had moved to um, uh, Brooklyn. Okay. And she came to hear me one night at a club called Club Isabella, where I worked quite frequently. And she says, you know what, you've got to get out of here. You, you belong in New York. I'll sponsor you. Come and stay with me. If you like it, stay. If you don't, you know, then you have nothing to lose. You know, do that. Right. And I also at that time I had met Greg Bandy, who, wonderful drummer. You know Greg, right? Greg Bandy?
0: No, he doesn't ring a okay. bell.
1: That's His a, sound does not ring a bell with me. Oh, oh, that's that's unusual. I mean, I, I, would, I would have thought you would have known Greg. They used to call him the mayor of Harlem. Uh, but he's uh, he doesn't really play avant-garde or any of that kind of stuff, but he's a great swinging drummer. And I met him, and he came back to Cleveland because that's where he's from. And um, we worked together, and he said right. to me, get out of Cleveland. Just get out. I'll sponsor you. Go up there. Everybody wanted to sponsor me to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And he says, just go up to Harlem. Tell them you know the mayor, and uh, everything will be fine for you. Right. And uh, so I said, okay. So by, you know, my, by my coming to stay with um, Penny Weinberg was her name, and I fell in love with New York City. There was no question about it. I stayed a month.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I loved it. I met everybody. I met so many people. It was like boom, 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 right after another. You know. Now, in terms was- of in terms
0: of your in terms of who you met, would you elaborate on who of this lost generation uh, you met? Because the purpose of this podcast really okay. is to deal with the the people uh, that were in the seventies that um, were not recognized for playing either free jazz. Or experimental music at that time, and they have not been recognized to this time, uh, in terms of the media, in terms of all these things. So I'm trying to f- I'm trying to filter this down to those people that that um, have made contributions to our cultural landscape and have not been recognized in terms of oh, the avant garde, the oh. the in the late '70s loft scene people that have evolved out of it, and. Um, would you? Do you remember any well, that from come the to 90s? mind? Well, they, you, you could say the '90s, but I would, I, hope got that, here. I would hope that they were of of my generation, your generation.
1: Well, you know, you I met. I think of Junie Booth. Great, he, he was one of the. I I really uh, give Junie Booth a lot of credit for taking me out of just like the mainstream because right. I was always a person who. The reason why I came here is because I was hearing things differently than most in my area of yes. Cleveland, Ohio. And I was doing a lot of improvising and I was growing and, and starting to compose a lot. So I was, when I first got here, I was just hitting the main scenes, you know, like going to Smalls and going sure. to gravities and, you know, places sure. like that. And I was meeting those kinds of folks. I met Steve Neal. I met Harold Mayburn, you know. It wasn't until I met... <clears throat> probably a lot more people that I can't even remember. <clears throat> then I met Junie.
0: Now, for, for for people that are listening, they might not know who Junie is. I know he's a bassist. Yeah. Now, would you elaborate on his music?
1: Well, Junie got his, uh, I guess... His most-
0: music, specifically. Oh, what what I, heard. Would I, not would I his have personality. to say about his music? Yes, what would you say about that? And what what you were introduced to and what you absorbed oh, he's from... About- Yeah,
1: he's completely the most one of the most free musicians I've ever known in my life and remains so to this day. And the first gig that we had together, I I had actually met him at Smalls and he had just grabbed me by the hand. He goes, you know, you look like you can sing Wanna let's do something. He pulled me up on stage and he says, what do you want to do? I said, body and soul. I'm coming out of a straight ahead mentality. He says, cool. He starts playing some of these you know, extensions, and he's out there. I mean, it's all over the place, but I could hear it. And so I remember because the pianist, what, what was his name? Sasha uh, Sacha Perry. Sacha Perry.
0: What do you mean by extensions?
1: He was playing in another, um, in another realm of the music. See, I have always, uh, when, I, when I think about this music, I think of it as being a huge ocean where all the sounds are happening at once. All the yes. rhythms are happening at once. Great, it's, great. It's fabulous. And there's tunnels that you can go into, you know, little streams. So you're hearing stuff over here. So if you're in this stream, you know, if, some, if, a, if a song is being played in a particular key, which to me, all, it's just all keys, but if it's being played in a particular key, you can grab something from up there and bring it over here. There isn't anywhere you can't go. There are no walls to prevent you from going anywhere. And I can hear that. You know, and I'm blessed to be able to hear that. I, I am grateful for that. To me, is my biggest asset. It's a gift, and um, a gift. I I must say, I didn't even ask for it. it just was always there.
0: Right, right. And
1: so, uh, Junie just started playing music. Right, okay. Right. And I'm it was you. for me to, as if you were to see it like a sculpt, like if you're sculpting, All and right. there's this big rock. And you know that that rock is supposed to somehow be body and soul. You know what I mean? I mean, I do. And you uh, begin to carve it out by finding the design of it within that space.
0: All right, fine.
1: So he was playing what he was playing, and I remember listening, and I'm, uh, as I always do, I just jump in the water. Okay. And I start swimming and playing around with what I'm hearing because I know it's going to come to me wherever it is. And I remember, um, and mm-hmm. no disrespect to Sasha Perry, but he came over on the piano, and he started hitting these basic chords, like this,
0: locking you in.
1: And yeah, and Junie said, and you know, I guess we, you know, we can say what we, you know, we're not edited here. He said, "Sit the fuck out, like okay. that. Just get off the piano, get away." Okay. And he stopped like, whoa. Well,
0: and musically, what was he trying to open? What was, door was he trying to open musically? He was
1: trying to take you into the foundation, basic uh, form and harmonic form of the song as if I couldn't hear it. But I more than heard it. Okay. We were designing it. Yes. And so
0: this is what's interesting. This is the
1: yeah. We were designing it. We knew where we were. There wasn't we weren't lost. There's no such place as lost. So suddenly I just fall into my heart is sad. You know. Only
0: Right, you just read my mind. Yeah. Now when you said there's no such place as lost. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about it. Correct. And he was he was he was basically from what I hear you saying he was really encouraging you. To really feel more secure in right. that
1: he was outsideness, like
0: a, like a singer,
1: he was treating me like a singer and not an artist and not a not a not a musician. He was treating me like a singer. Okay. See, but that's a whole other subject.
0: All right, a then typical, that's a subject, right? Yeah,
1: but it's he, he was coming from what I what I would consider a conservative mindset of how the music is supposed to be interpreted. Okay, and a lot of people that are in and of that mindset believe that you're paying disrespect to the elders if you don't follow a certain pattern of doing things, and it's no disrespect at all, because it's always been my contention that those elders right. were the ones that were the explorers and the innovators. They weren't following anybody, not you know, not really. They I'm were, with you, Nora. They were creating, and that was their primary purpose was to create something right and they weren't following any type of so-called rules if they weren't breaking the rules they wouldn't be the elders they right. would that wouldn't have even happened this right. music would have never happened right you know so long story short I, that's how i met junie booth and great and we the beautiful thing about it was the last song of the evening and everybody stood up and they said man are we glad we stayed for that and the next day junie called me on the phone and said, I knew you were my orchestra. He said, we got a gig at um, the, uh, what the heck was it, it was on Orchard Street. I'll think of it in a minute. It had like a zen kind of a name. Yes. And um, we went there, and interesting about that first night, he sets me upstairs. It was a place that had a balcony that overlooked this little narrow bar. And um, he, he, he said, here's the mic. I'll go downstairs. I'm going to sit at the bar. He said, you go ahead and just start playing, sing, do right. what you do. Right, When I hear something, I'll come upstairs. Perfect. Perfect. And I looked at him. I'd never done that before. I said, what? I, what do you not? And he said, you're fine. I said, oh, right, exactly. And I started to sing. Next thing I know, I hear boom, boom, boom behind me. Right. And on the break, I said to him, Oh my God, Junie! I said, "Where have you been all my life?" I said, "I'm so used to playing with people who keep things in these little, like between the bar lines, like this." And nobody said to me, and I love this quote; I, I'll never forget it. He What's goes, that? "Baby, you got to stop hanging out with all them squares." <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Wow! Yeah, I said, "I've never felt so free in my life."
0: That's really great. Yeah. That's, because that now, now, Nora, this is this is what th- we're shooting for. Yeah. We're shooting to explain the value of this freedom. Mm -hmm. Because in many cases, many people have not been introduced to this value. They have not been introduced to freedom.
1: Right.
0: And they have not been introduced to and actually segregated themselves from those that they feel are playing outside of that box, outside of that. Outside of that lane right. who who feel comfortable in going from one lane to another, so am I asking and you speaking about junie booth specifically and your experience there um at this point, have you taken a look at what you are trying to accomplish when you um when you sing and when you perform mm-hmm. in, in, in a totally improvisational manner, mm-hmm. what are you trying to accomplish with your music and your voice? Well, take it anywhere you want. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 but, I, but that's my
1: question. Again, I see this from a multi disciplinary position, a perspective yes. of both a painter, the visual arts, As a dancer movement, uh, rhythmically, because there's a pulse and everything. So you have, the sound is an amazing place to go. Everything is sound. Silence is sound.
0: I was saying that to my friend today. Yeah. Oh, you must be a mind reader as well. But
1: (laughs) go! Well, go on, go yeah. on. Well, yeah, elaborate I on that. i a constructionist. I'm building elaborate something. On that. Go. I build something, and when I'm when I'm improvising, I have always been able to see. And I used to think, you know, my way was very unorthodox, and I thought I needed to have the the actual methodology of music, which is why I studied here and there and with various teachers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when it came to Uh, writing music and improvising and singing music, I didn't go initially into the traditional bebop way of learning patterns and things like that. Okay. I saw music, like I said, visually. I could see what I was singing. I could see it as I was hearing it. And I could also um, see I saw colors. Yes. I saw lines. I saw dimensions. yes. And with the group I just recently uh, was working with for many years was with Dama and Raz Moshe. I called that, we were constructing, and the beautiful thing about it is it was a one-mind kind of a thing. But as we were both working off of one another, it was truly like seeing um, almost as if, if you have to have some kind of a visual to hold on to, workers with equipment that was actually either painting, building, forming, doing, Uh, in synchronicity with one another and this thing was taking shape and moving and happening so it's kind of a three or four or five i don't i don't limit myself to dimensions anymore i know that we have three dimensions that we're sure of but then there's the fourth and the fifth and all the other types of energies that are out there the subtle energies that are out there and so they're there why not go and explore them and use them? So if, it, if those are the things that come to me when I'm hearing the music as it's happening, those are the sounds that I make. And if they make me emote a grunt or a word or tear something apart or put a, put a pulse to it right. or a color, I am at its disposal. I am not doing nothing more than what it wants me to do. I'm stepping into it. Absolutely. And it is allowing me... It it is manipulating me. And there, you know, there is no, you cannot be self-conscious. You cannot be even uh, um, self-aware. Yes. Because if you're self-aware, you have immediately stopped the connection. You cannot do that. You have to get into it and and allow it to happen and to take place. I do enjoy being in there, and I know when it's (laughs) done with me. I know when it's time for me to be done because it ends itself. And that's just how I look at it. And I've also, because of the acting that I've been uh, involved uh, in most of my life, but more, more um, this year and the last couple of years, I've been doing more of that kind of a thing. Okay. But there's so much drama. So in what you're doing, and you are telling a story, you must be telling something, you know, or you're creating something. So back when I was younger and I was trying to uh, create and learn uh, make myself a musician because I do have so much respect for musicians. Yes, and yes. Uh, the, uh, instrumentalists, we're all instrumentalists. If you're that kind of a singer that you understand that you are an instrument and a, just like any other musician out here, you have to have respect. You have to have respect for your instrument. And so that's how you apply yourself. I, I would sit and listen and, and, and see the thing moving and I would draw it down and I say, People are going to think you're nuts if you tell him that this is what the music, and I've shown Jorge, because he, he's my counterpart here, I've shown him, I said, don't think I'm crazy, but this is how I see music. Fine. And he looks at it, he goes, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think that's very interesting.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Dom Manassi, <laughs> oh, specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just recently heard him play, and um, I didn't get a chance to talk to him that uh, at length, Yeah. but would you tell me something about... Uh, how you perceive his his interpretation of this music?
1: Well, he's another uh, person I would say is in a category by himself. What does he play? He plays guitar.
0: Fine. Well, how would you how would you elaborate? How would you elaborate on that?
1: He uses that guitar uh, in any way uh, imaginable mm-hmm. to accomplish uh, getting a mood, an energy, a sound. He he's a he's certainly a a well educated musician he knows music, he knows and he knows uh many areas of music, and the straight ahead jazz, which is he used to always say, I don't understand why people don't give me gigs. I can play straight ahead like nobody's business and he's he's written many, many, many compositions and in fact, i did a a show at the Metropolitan Room featuring the music of Don Manassi with with him. Um, I don't know how many years ago it's been now already, but uh-huh. I, don't, I don't keep track of time. Okay. But uh, that's another interesting concept, time. But um, Dom,
0: how 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 is how is time an interesting concept to you?
1: Well, because it's uh, it's constant. It's there's no past, present, and future. It's again like sound. It's just all happening at once.
0: All right. Go. And on, it right.
1: it also has many 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 many. Um, pockets and dimensions and shapes and things like that you know all right so i'm not a physicist <laughs> right right i got you i got you I understand. but i have always been um extremely interested and curious about it and when i got that way it, you know i i was drawn toward sound healing and i learned i, I learned a li- enough to be dangerous <laughs> okay. but to continue being curious about it because i know it heals I right. definitely know that sound heals, and I know that sound also is multi dimensional, and it also is it it embodies the subtle energies uh that we have been taught to not investigate and not to give credence to because when you get into those areas right, then they start saying that it's as mysticism or you're talking to you can talk to the people who have passed, which. Have only gone and changed energies. They haven't left. Nothing leaves this place. All right, but back universe.
0: to back to the living.
1: Okay, back to the living. Dominacci. Yes,
0: tell me about his music as you've perceived what you've been exposed to. I think Dom And Manassi, what is what? It, tell me something about his music.
1: Okay. Well, I think his I think he's brilliant. I think Dom has his music again is um, much like that ocean of sound that I was talking about.
0: How does he write? Does he, does, he written, yes. does he hand, oh, hand sure. you written music? written yeah, sure. what form Sometimes, is it? Yeah. In what form is it? It's very simple. Is it in graphs? Is it in colors? No, no, no in, he
1: doesn't do graphic notation. Okay. He doesn't do, he'll give you, at least for the, what we were doing with our group.
0: That's what I mean. Uh-huh.
1: He would give like a simple um, melodic line. Yes. And then there would be areas, bars of here, this is what we're going to do. We improvise here. Mm-hmm. And then we come back. So it was basically just like to say, uh, I'm giving you the map and then you can take it and, and, do, and go wherever you want with it. But we always have, it's almost like if you were deep sea diving and somebody puts you on some sort of a, uh, a rope and you're going down into the ocean, you've got the rope. But you're allowed to let go and, and, and investigate all the areas around. And then when it's time to, I guess for the, uh, because you know what, even uh, though we're doing this music, there's, you always have to take into consideration that there are people listening to you that may not know what the hell you're doing. You always, for me, okay, ha- and, I, and I think Don would probably agree with this, great, 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 you want to involve the audience. You don't want to take that journey by yourself. You want to show them something. You want to pull them in. You need their energy as well. You want to take their mind places so that they're like, wow, what ride are we on? This is fantastic. I'm seeing what you're doing. This is amazing. So you want that energy. So you have, yeah. to, you have to have a rope to pull them back in to say, okay, wow, the, the ride's over now. We're going to go on to another experience.
0: Wow. And you that know? rope is really necessary, isn't it?
1: Well, yes, I think so. I, I do... The same. I do different types of uh, com- um, composition. I uh, I write regular compositions with regular notes and chords and bar lines and arrangements. Okay. I do that. Uh-huh. I also write graphic compositions.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And those are the ones that uh, Jorge and I have worked with considerably. We've done a couple CDs with those. Well, and, let me ask you a
0: question, then. In
1: that case, yeah. what does a drum part look like? Well, I haven't worked with a drum part in those compositions that I've written. But the drum part, I would this is what I would do in a situation like that. I would hire the right drummer who didn't have to be told what to play or how to play it, who would just organically figure out what we were doing or I could say here like uh, I do write rhythmic parts for like when I like with let's just say with our, my group with Don which was called Manna for Thought.
0: Uh-huh. I, no what's
1: it called? Manna for Thought.
0: Manna like bread. Yeah. Yes, okay. And it had like it has that.
1: spiritual overtones. That's what what it started off being. Sure, Manna. But I would write like say uh, three different bar lines or you know what yes. would you call them systems okay. where I would have And believe me, these are only just um, to give give them an idea, Uh, rhythmic patterns that I wanted them to play for a couple times, and they would be against one another. And then as we're going and we're changing a meter and speeding up, well, of course it's going to fly all over the place it's supposed to okay all right it's supposed That's, to, i love it, it. It's supposed go. to break up yes and go wherever it goes and then from there then we're hey we're in the field we're playing now we're creating so i may play off of something you're doing i may just be doing something here all by myself and it's and you're doing what you're doing over there but somehow it all works together because your ears are open to what's happening in the universe of sound around you so I would only give like a, a, an idea that I wanted, but you are not glued to that paper.
0: I understand that, but um, it, and this could be a challenging statement. You okay. can take it where, wherever mm. you want. Uh, what I've noticed is that uh, whether either in the uh, jazz, free jazz, free bop, classical, whatever, yeah, they never write anything for drums.
1: Oh, Mr. Sylvester does. <laughs> All right, go ahead. They I never write th-
0: anything for drums. Okay. I mean, because what I've noticed is that I don't think they know how. Uh-huh. I'll be perfectly frank. Yeah. I don't think they know how. I think that in terms of this ink going on this paper, Right. it deals with uh, note notation and it does not deal with what I know how to read in terms of drumming. Okay. Because that's what I read. So then when a person approaches me that's an instrumentalist, they usually say, "Um, can you read? And they're talking about, (laughs) can I read musical notation, but not drum notation? Yeah. So then I ask myself... And I mean, I'm not trying to be obnoxious about it, but I ask myself, why is it that they never give any drummer anything to read? They just give the person some sort of general framework, but they don't do that for you. For example, if 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 you had a melody and they want you to sing the melody, they they either mm. sing the melody to you,
1: yeah,
0: and you get it and you sing it when back,
1: it, yeah.
0: or else you read it and it's actually right on the paper. So I have a little problem. I have a little problem with this this thing of like the drummer just has all these dashes and like they it's perceived that the person is supposed to go wherever they feel like going like they are well it gives a certain freedom but uh, that's a little thing that I've been thinking about for quite a while being, being playing with as many people as I played with and being around many people it's never, it's never there for me. It's never. So, so it doesn't matter because usually I don't deal with meter at all. Correct. But I'm just throwing that out there to you because this could be an interesting thing, a doorway for yourself. And I, and I think that I know you're thinking about this right now.
1: I am because I was thinking about I would probably do it through I draw the, what I see what I hear music I would probably give you a design I've used that's interesting I would probably give you a design because I have worked with uh, various uh, types of designs in in my uh, my my graphic compositions
0: all right that's
1: interesting I have a lot of um, different types Uh, some of them almost look like the um, what do they call those things they oh my god like templates
0: Thank you, Nora.
1: Yeah. They look Thank like you templates. All right. And so I do that and I also have an overall design of how I want the improvisation to look and I draw them on the paper.
0: Thank you, Nora.
1: So those I do do. All right. I as far as rhythm goes and all of that other stuff, I don't <laughs> I, gotcha. I feel like I am I must be a drummer. I use my voice sure you percussively. Are. I would hope that the people I work with are also drummers and, and know about the ocean of rhythm. Because yeah. if you don't have any rhythm, how can you imagine somebody not having any rhythm? They have some kind of rhythm somewhere, on some level, in some, in some uh, you know, dimension of, of the whole overall picture, don't they? They have to. Yeah, yeah. Be, they no, you're wouldn't right. be breathing. I would agree. And yeah. walking around you're the right. earth. You're right.
0: You're right, and
1: their hearts wouldn't be. Beating. It's that basic. Yeah,
0: it's that basic. Yeah. So I'm really, you know, I, I'm. I just, I just, I just threw that at you as a, as, yeah, well, as, as a. So, so you, you're going to give me that design, and I'll I'm going to play the it. Thank you, Nora. Now I just got a job. So. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since I've not, I've not worked with a drummer in my, in my, in my free stuff. Good. I never have.
0: Well, you know, that's why we meet. Yes, that's correct.
1: Now. Um
0: my last question to you, Nora, yes. is based on what we were talking about off off mic. Yeah. In your mind, is the avant-garde being blacklisted and is it a threat to the mainstream and why?
1: I think And, you know, blacklisted, if you mean uh, not being accepted in some of the top clubs?
0: No, I mean a conscious effort to squelch it. To
1: squelch it. That's right. You know...
0: That's my question.
1: How can somebody stop something that never, that always was? I'm not saying
0: that they're going to stop it.
1: I'm asking, are they making
0: efforts to stop it?
1: Well, I... if, the, if there's groups of people that are going out of their way trying to stop something the only way you can do something like that if this is what you want to call an effort okay. would be to not present it into your club to not give it any credence to talk about it in a in a in a negative way is that happening have i heard it yes of course absolutely not give it any 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 merit or credence laugh at it sure Say that uh, avant-garde musicians, uh, are only they don't know what they're doing. They're not real musicians. That they're just up there uh, noodling around, playing whatever they want. It has no real artistic merit. And that couldn't be further from the truth because it's nothing but pure art. So it's almost like spitting in the face of Mother Earth and the universe by saying all the stuff that we don't understand doesn't exist. It isn't qualified because we don't get it people have, you know, to me, there's two different types of mindsets. People who need to be told what to think and do and the pattern followers. That's why you have in so many countries, people who are uniformly dressed, are very much controlled and do things a certain way because of progress and production must go on and their individual identity is squelched. Yes. Okay. Not to say that that's what the straight ahead jazz world is about, but they have their own group. Uh, uh, their own um, set of, their their own dogma, let's, you know, more appropriately uh, put, they have their own dogma that they subscribe to, and that is their Bible, and that's what they believe in, and that's what they do. And okay. Anybody outside of that is not considered legit.
0: Thank you. Laura? Nora?
1: Nora, yeah. That's okay. I've been called Nora. 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 <laughs> Nora. Yes,
0: Nora. I think from our very first meeting. Yes. I've known the vibe that you would bring to this conversation. Oh, thank you. I've known it. And it's been an honor.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you.
0: Really an honor to have this brief conversation with you. And this conversation is going to continue.
1: Yes. Thank you. Nora. Great. Thank you so much. And likewise, much. William. I have the utmost respect so much, for Nora. you and thank you for doing jazz outside. For me, for the Jazz Inside magazine, when we did the Jazz Outside. Thank you.
0: It's historic.
1: Yeah, it is. It absolutely is.
0: Nora McCarthy.
1: Yes. Thank you. William Hooker. Thank you very much. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for tuning in. In months ahead, you will have the opportunity to hear from many more Lost Generation artists and supporters. The audio-only version is available wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to hear upcoming episodes.